There we are. Good morning. Good to see you all. Um, you're a little bit more alive than normal today. Y'all are a little bit more talkative. I like that. Take your celebration, guys, if by any chance, and I know we do because I met you. If you're a guest, this is your first, second time, please fill out the registration, rip it off, drop it in the offering plate. Today uh, at two o'clock, we have a, they're calling it a turkey trot for the children that will be out here. I think they got some games and stuff planned for them. That's today. Um, you can read the other things about basketball, Christmas Sunday and Christmas Eve. We'll, we'll make more detail on that later. Um, the joy, our senior ministry, uh, if you'll just pay attention to that, they're going to have a big chili cook off and a kind of a fall festival. You can read those details. Um, Wednesday night, my Bible study. We will be meeting, of course, this Wednesday. Then the next Wednesday is right the day before Thanksgiving, so we, we don't meet that Wednesday. Then we'll come back for the last Wednesday of the month, which I believe is about the 29th, and then we take off for the holidays till the 1st of January because so many people are coming and going, and I don't like the emails. Send me what you said, da da da, da. Just, We'll just wait and let you come back. All right. Are you glad to be here? We've got some great worship this morning, so stand and welcome somebody around you to church.
right, get your la-la's ready. This is a no-brainer song, we call it. La-la-la-la-la. Yours will be the only name that matters to me. The only one whose favor I see. The only name that matters to me. Yours will be the friendship and affection I need.
every other name that's in your brain, every other issue that's going on, every other problem that you have, just speak the name of Jesus. It will bring you comfort and joy and peace. Amen. A thousand generations falling down in worship to sing the song of ages to the Lamb. And all who have gone before us and all who will believe will sing the song of ages to the Lamb. Your name is the highest. Your name is the greatest. Your name stands above them all. All thrones and dominions, all powers and positions, your name stands above them all. And the angels cry, oh, he, all creation. 
Jesus, you are holy. God, you are so holy. And Father, it's amazing that you look on us and if we know you, that you call us the righteousness of God and we can stand clean before you. God, we thank you for loving us even when we are the most unlovable. Thank you for caring for us when we're the most uncareable. So today, today, God, we just ask you in these moments as we collect our tithes and offerings that you speak to us. God, help us know how much we're truly loved by you and desired by you and how much you have a great and awesome plan for us. We love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. I am so excited about today's message. This has helped me so much. And uh, some of you younger folks maybe haven't been through something tough yet in life. I mean, really tough. Uh, if you'll take good notes and keep this, this can help you tremendously one day. A lot of us that have been through this, you're going to be able to say, man, that's right. Amen. That's, you know, that's, that's what you got to do. You know, we started this series, and the first thing I talked about was resentment. How do you deal with it when somebody hurts you and they need to be forgiven? Then we talked about regrets when you've done something and, and you want to be forgiven. And then, of course, week before last, we talked about hope for hurting parents and what a response we had for that. Um, great response. But today, we're going to kind of wrap it all up on, well, how do you stay calm when you're going through a crisis, when you're going through a tough time? Well, if you have your Bibles or some device that will let you see Scripture, of course, we put things uh, up on the screen for you. Acts chapter 27. It is a fascinating, to me, passage of Scripture. You know, it, it's the story, by the way, of a shipwreck. And when I read the Bible, many years ago especially, and I would wonder, why is that in there? Why is that story in there? You know, what does God intend to do with that story? And then I remember that scripture that I want you to look at with me in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. So it's going to be up there, and I'm going to ask you, to read this with me out loud. Is that up on the screen yet? All right, let's read it together. All scripture is given by inspiration of God 
and is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped unto all good works. There's your answer. For anything in the Bible that you think, why is that there? There's your answer. God put it there as an example for us. And this story, I believe, is there to teach us how to be confident in a crisis, not just get, get through it. The, you know, there, there's three kinds of storms in life. There are storms that I bring on myself. Um, there are storms that God allows or that God can actually bring into your life because he wants you to grow in faith. And um, just like when the disciples were out on the water and the storm came up, that was God's doing, but it was to teach them about faith. And then there are storms that other people cause in our life. And I think you would agree that those are the hardest to deal with. When other people, you're an innocent party, you're like a victim, um, and it's hard to deal with that. Well, that's the case here. They got into a shipwreck, and Paul happened to be on board this ship. Now, it wasn't his fault. And by the way, folks, storms don't play favorites when it comes to your life. And those of you that may be new to all this or you haven't crossed that line yet to trust the Lord, let me just be honest with you and tell you that Christians have problems too. We struggle with things. We, we try to figure things out. We have difficulties like, like everybody else. But how do you deal with them? And I believe that this passage of Scripture was put in the Bible for just that reason, so that I could learn to deal with a crisis and be confident in it. How can you do that? Well, the background of this story is that God had put Paul on this ship, and they were going to go to Rome. See, Paul had said earlier, my heart's desire is to make it to Rome, the, the capital of the world, and preach. Well, he got there, but it was as a prisoner. It wasn't maybe the way that he intended to go. Yet, while they're on board, God told Paul, you need to tell this crew, don't leave the harbor because there's going to be a storm out in the Mediterranean Ocean. Well, what did they do? They ignored God and what God told them to do, and they got impatient. And you know what? When I look back at my life, early years especially, that's where I got in trouble every time. When I got impatient, and, and you can do that, and you'll run right into a storm. Many people have done it. You know, they, they, they're impatient to get married. They're impatient to get another job. They're impatient to move, and they didn't check it out with God. Are you listening? And they run right into a storm. You may have been there. Now, let's read the scripture. I, I love this way of ex expository preaching to read the scripture then make the points from that so chapter 27 verse 10 so paul warned them men i can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous it will bring great loss to the ship the cargo and to our lives also and yet what did they do they went sailing right into that storm why well that's interesting also this passage will teach us First of all, the three most common reasons that we get ourselves into a mess. And here we are 2,000 years later, and we're still doing it. Uh, human nature has not changed, folks. 
So they got themselves into a mess for three reasons. Let's read them. Verse 11. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, which was what God said to tell him, followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. Reason number one, we get into a mess. We listen to the wrong experts. <laughs> we listen to the wrong experts. Boy, I'll tell you, in America today, there's an expert for everything. And what they do, and politicians especially, they'll go find somebody and they may, that doesn't work out. They'll go to somebody else, go to somebody else till they find an expert that agrees with what they're trying to say. And that's probably what, what happened here. There's a lot of crazy ideas out there, folks. People come up with these new things all the time. You know, I was, um, I, I swore I'm gonna write a book on all the remedies for back pain. I mean, you folks have told me 150 different ways to get rid of my back pain. You know, and somebody will say, well, preacher, the key to life is, uh, and I found this out and you just got to try it, eat bananas and yogurt. That, that, that's what you need to do. You know, uh, no, the, the key to life is to sit down in a lotus position and just, um, you know, that'll do it. No, when you, listen, someone said years ago, and I love this definition, an expert is anybody that carries a briefcase and travels more than 200 miles to where you're at. We, we consider them to be an expert. Let's look at second reason, verse 12. Since the harbor was unsuitable in the winter, the majority, that's what you might want to circle that, the majority decided that we should sail on hoping to reach Phoenix, that's not Arizona, and, and winter there. This, this, Phoenix, was a harbor in Crete that was facing both southwest and northwest. Reason number two, we get in a mess, we take a vote. And we go with the majority opinion. Because that's what they did. What's the majority opinion? Well, I'm going to tell you something. It may not have been years ago when I was growing up, but now the majority is more often wrong than right. Especially in what they propagate for us to be doing in America. You remember back when Moses was going into Egypt, uh, leaving um, Egypt, a couple of million of them said, let's go back. Big majority. They got up to cross over to go in the promised land. He sent out 12 of them. What did they do? 10 came back. Majority opinion. No, don't do it. We're doing that in America today. People are following, trying to, you know, the majority opinion. And it's still not God's will. This idea, and I don't, I, you know, it doesn't matter to me what side you're on. If you're not on my side, you're wrong. And so what I'm, I'm talking about abortion. And here we have an, a majority opinion in Ohio and Virginia this last week that went back and the majority voted to allow abortion on demand right up to the day of delivery. I mean, that's what I'm talking about. You cannot go by the majority. Number three. Verse 13, when a gentle south wind began to blow, they thought they had obtained what they wanted. So they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Reason number three, we get into trouble. We look at the circumstances. We rely on the circumstances. Notice it says here, there was a gentle south wind. What could be better than that? On the Mediterranean, 
A lot of you, how many of you in here have been on the Mediterranean? A lot of you have. Look, oh my gosh. I mean, a soft summer breeze and you're out there sailing on the Mediterranean. They thought they had obtained what they wanted. The circumstances looked favorable. It seemed like a good thing. But the fact is, folks, are you listening? It's crazy to ignore what God says to do, even if the circumstances look good. You don't buck what God said to do. We do that all the time. We go on our feelings. And I've heard people say, and you may have too, you know, well, um, preacher, it must be okay. In fact, there was a song about um, how can it be so wrong if it feels so right? And one other thing, if loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right. You've heard them songs. Well, the fact is feelings can lie. The circumstances may, are you listening? The circumstances may look good. But folks, if God says wait in the harbor, you better wait in the harbor because there's going to be a problem. Notice this, a revealing phrase here. They thought they had obtained what they wanted. And I talk to people in counseling over and over again who thought they had obtained what they wanted. And they don't listen to what the Bible says and they leave the office and sail right into a storm and get themselves into a mess. Now, as you follow the story, you will see that they went out and they're, they're, they're sailing and it was only a matter of hours and they get into a hurricane. The literal, their translation is a typhoon. Well, that's a hurricane in that part of the world. Here's what it says. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called a northeaster swept down from the island and the ship was caught in the storm and could not head into the wind. See, we, we listen. See, not only does this teach us of what happens, but it teaches us what we do. What we normally, and by the way, I'm, this is not a criticism. This is true of me and you. What we normal, normally, typically will do when we get into a crisis, if we don't watch it and we don't immediately Turn our mind to the Lord. Are you with me on this so far? All right. Here's three typical reactions. Those are the three things that cause it. Verse 15. The ship was caught by the storm, could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. Verse 17 says, they let the ship be driven along. The first thing that storms will tend to do in your life if you don't respond godly, is you will begin to drift. Okay, we're talking about drifting now. Not in the sense of the boat, but our life. What do you mean, Lord? I mean, we will forget our values. We'll forget our integrity. We'll forget our character and start drifting in life. You notice here, they don't have a compass. They back then went by the stars and the moon and, and things like that but they are in total darkness. And when you're in total darkness in your life, what do you do if you, you say, well, I just don't know what to do. If you don't turn to the Lord, you will start to drift. Has life ever seemed like that to you? That you just start drifting. You get a problem and it beats you up, knocks you around back and forth and you don't know where you're going and you've lost sight of your goal. I went through this some years ago before I moved back to Florida. 
It was like the strong currents of life were just knocking me around back and forth. And I actually got to the point where at one time I thought, what is the use? Why fight this? Just, just go with it. Why make the effort? Well, verse 18, let's read it. So we took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard. So the first thing we do in a crisis, we start to drift. And secondly, we discard. Got to have a D, right? It's got to be alliteration. We discard. What does that mean, Lloyd? We start throwing things out of our life. The sailors start throwing stuff overboard. If you read it all, it'll, first it was the cargo, then the tackle, then most all of the food. They only had a little bit of tiny food left. We'll read that later. But the point is this. Often when we get into a crisis, we tend to throw out the things that meant so much to us growing up. The values that we were taught as kids. You know, the things that a teacher or a coach or mom and dad or a church tried to teach us, we throw it out. We become impulsive and we want to get rid of our dreams. Maybe we want to get rid of our marriage. We want to discard it all. We, and we just feel like we ought to be giving up. Anybody ever been there? We just feel like giving up. Now, here's the third thing they did. They drifted, they discarded, and here's the third thing. Most of us have been there. Verse 20. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. See, we drift, we start throwing things out, and notice it says here, we finally gave up all hope. What do we do? We despair. We drift, we discard, and then we despair. That's the last thing that goes. Picture this now. 14 days in total darkness. They're in a ship in the middle of the Mediterranean. They're getting bashed back and forth to the point that they throw everything out of the boat. They couldn't guide it if they wanted to. They throw out the cargo, throw out the tackle, throw out most of the food, and they're despairing to the point where they say, we finally gave up all hope. See, that's what the Lord told us. That's what Paul told us they were feeling like. And I'd be, I deal with people like this, and you deal with people like this. It wouldn't surprise me in a congregation like this and the next one coming up that we'll have people that feel like that right now. Been going through a problem all week or maybe for weeks or months or even years, and it's just been battering you back and forth, and you've been throwing things out and you've been tempted to give up your morality and whatever else. What's the use? It's impossible. Are you listening? Here's the point. They had forgotten God is in control. God is in control. They forgot that God had a plan. They forgot that God can inject hope into anything you're dealing with today. It may be absolutely positively to you hopeless. I'm telling you, God can inject hope into whatever you're dealing with. The amazing part of this story to me that we're getting at now, the answer here, is Paul's reaction. Here's a man on there, and, and by the way, there were 376 people on this ship. 376. 
And here's Paul, a complete 180 degree turnabout from all the other people, even the sailors. The sailors knew they'd probably been through storms before, but this one was so bad, they gave up hope. They knew it was going to be over, that they were all going to drown, but not Paul. And what we learn now is how to be confident even though we're going through a storm. Paul's reaction was one of confidence. Now listen very carefully. Young people especially, what I'm going to say right now. The test, the test of your faith, the test of your religion is how you handle a crisis. How you handle it. Anybody can be a good Christian when things are going good. When your prayers are all getting answered, your health is great. It's easy to be a Christian like that. But the test of your faith is how you handle it when the problems of life come in to the point that you are wanting to despair, drift, discard, and give up. Listen very carefully. This is so vital for us to learn. Character is revealed in a crisis. It's not made in a crisis. It's revealed in a crisis. Character is made, and this is why it's so hard. Character is made in the little day-to-day trivial things of life. That's where character is made. The little routine that you go through every day for weeks and months and years. But then that character is revealed when you go through a crisis. Amen? So what do you do when you feel like it's all falling apart and it's disintegrating? What do you do? Well, verse 29, Paul says, fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. Boy, the safest thing to do when you're going through a storm is put down some anchors, put down some roots. The Bible says in Psalm 127, he who puts his trust in God is like Mount Zion. They will be immovable. Now, are you listening? You've got some anchors that you can look in and turn to. And when I talk to people in counseling that's encountering a, a major problem, one of the first things I tell them to do is don't make more changes. Don't make more big changes because a lot of times, they, you know, maybe they've lost um, through death or divorce. They've lost their wife or husband and they want to make big changes or the children have left home or whatever. And well, you know, I might as well move. You know, there's no need staying here. Um, you know, um, that's, let me tell you, that's exactly what you don't need is to make changes when you're going through a storm in your life. Now, why was Paul so confident. Everybody else, 275 others were not. Why is Paul so confident? Three tremendous truths. These are anchors that you need. The first anchor, well, let's read verse 22. Here's what he says. But I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Now, that's a statement of a confident man. Don't, don't worry about it. Yeah, we're going to lose the ship, but not, none of you are going to die. He had confidence. In fact, 
You say, well, why? Look at verse 23. Because last night, an angel of God, whose I am, meaning I'm God's, and whom I serve, stood beside me. God sent an angel in the form of a man, a representative. And he said, Paul said, he stood beside me. So the first anchor that you've got, I don't care what you're going through this morning, you've got this anchor and that is it, this, the presence of God, the presence of God. And that's the first truth that I learned out of this part of the passage. Storms can never hide the face of God. You might not be able to see him today, but he sees you. And you've maybe heard the saying that above the clouds, the sun's always shining. And God is always there. You know, he, he said so many times, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm with you always to the end of the age. I will send a comforter and he will be with you. Wherever you are, God is. And no matter what your situation or what you're dealing with right now, you've got that anchor, number one, God is there. He's present. Number two, verse 24, this angel stood by me and he said, do not be afraid, Paul. You, what's the next word? Must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all those that sail with you. See, you, you know you're on board this ship, Paul, because I, God's got a purpose for you. You wanted to go to Rome? Well, you're going to go to Rome. And you're going to speak before Caesar. Now, that's all he really needed. You're going to make it there. So now it's up to God of, of what's going to happen. But Paul, you're going to preach in the court of Caesar. So what is the second anchor? God's purpose. His presence, he was there with Paul, but he's got a purpose. So what does he say? Paul, look, don't be afraid. My purpose for you was to preach in Rome. It's going to happen. Now, you're going to have some skirmishes here and there. You may get a little wet, but you're going to stand before Caesar, Paul. It is inevitable. Are you listening? It can't be changed. God's purpose for your life cannot be changed. God is a sovereign God. And in his providence, things are going to work out the way he says. We, we don't see it right now. I don't see it. How's this country going to make it? I don't see it. But God is there. And he's got a purpose. And whatever his purpose is for my life or this church or this country, it's going to happen. Because he said it would. You have a purpose. Storms are just temporary setbacks in that purpose of life. When you're born and over here maybe when you die, you got 70 or 80 years in there. God's got a purpose for you here. And I don't care what happens along here, you're going to get there. It's going to work. God's plan for your life. He's got your, his presence and his purpose. Two anchors for your soul. There's a third anchor, a third truth that gives me confidence in a crisis. Verse 25. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God. Your, your translations may say, I believe God. 
that it will happen just as he what? Told me. So what else do I have? I got his presence, I got his purpose, and I've got his promise. He said it. Keep up your courage. I have faith in God. It will happen just like he told me. He's telling all these 275 men in the middle of an unbelievable storm. God told me we're going to make it. Does God keep his promises? You bet he does. Storms cannot destroy the child of God because you're a child of God. They won't destroy you. He said, keep courage for I have faith that it will happen just as he told me. Now stay with me. I know a lot of you started getting things put up because you didn't have any more fill in the blanks. <laughs> stay with me. I hear it. <laughs> Closing them books up. Get that wallet out. Got to go to eat, get, get something to eat. If you're going through a devastating crisis right now, or maybe, you, you know, I, I've thought about it so much in the 2023, I've told you, has been a tough year. We've lost so many people, you know, to death and, and sickness and problems. It's just been a tough year. And, and I was thinking about that, what I'm going to say now. The problems may be overwhelming, and we feel like sometimes we're kind of going under for the last time, but can I say this to God, from God to you? Okay, I want to say this from God to you. You may lose the boat. You may lose the cargo. You may lose the tackle. You may get wet. You may even get bit by a snake, which happened to Paul later but you're going to make it. You're going to make it. God said it. I believe it. And here's, here's another part of that that's just amazing. God has graciously given you the lives of all that sail with you. Isn't that great? Everybody in that boat was saved because of who? Paul being there. You know what that says to me? The safest place to be is around godly people. And that's why I love seeing this day. I don't know how many we got today. Terry, tell me later. But all right, throw about 300 folks in here. That's awesome for the first service. And I'm just telling you this, that you ought to be here every Sunday that you can. Be around as many godly people as you can. Because when the storms of life come, man, that's a safe place to be. So what do I do while I'm waiting for God to fulfill his promise? What do I do? We got the answers there. He's there, he's powerful, he's present, he's got a purpose for my life. Then what do I do? Hang on. It's just like one of my favorite songs of the 60s. Hang on, Sloopy. Hang on. And then you do what Paul did, verse 29. Fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped the four anchors from the stern and did what? Prayed. For daylight. So what do you do? You pray. You pray for daylight. And the result is joy comes in the morning. Verse 39, when daylight came, they didn't recognize the land, but they saw a bay with a sandy beach where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. And it says, and they ran the ship aground 
And they all jumped overboard to swim to land. And then in verse 44, the ones that couldn't swim, the rest were to get on planks, the boards of the ship, in the water, pieces of the ship. And in this way, everyone reached the land in safety. Hallelujah. They all reached safety. 276. If there's a storm that's about to break up your ship, and maybe some of you this morning, maybe only a few, but you feel like you're coming apart at the seams and it's falling apart, let me just pray for you. Let's do that together. Let's pray. If you're going through a tough time and you've given into drifting, stop. Go back to your character and your integrity. God will be right there waiting on you. If you've been tempted to discard and throw things away, give up on a job, a marriage, and maybe you feel like just despairing. Lord, it's impossible. I'm never going to get well. This marriage ain't going to work. God says, I'm with you. My presence. Let, let those truths that we read stabilize your life and give you confidence right now. Storms cannot hide the face of God. And this situation we read about today was falling apart, but Paul was not because he believed that God was with him, his purpose would be fulfilled, and he made a promise. Let me say it again. If you're a child of God, you're going to make it. And if you're not a child of God, you need to settle that this morning. You need to say yes to Jesus as your personal Savior and Lord. And accept him into your heart. You can simply do that by praying a simple prayer. And it's not the prayer. It's not the words. It's your heart. It's the sincerity of your heart and your will. Could you say, would you say, from an honest heart, Lord Jesus, I know I've sinned. I know I've disobeyed you. But I believe you love me and that you did go to the cross for me and died for me and you rose again for me that I can live forever. I don't understand it all, but I understand that much that I'm a great sinner and you're a great savior and I call upon you right now. I'm gonna ask you to do that in your heart or verse with your lips to tell him that. Some of you maybe needed this message this morning because you're in a hopeless situation. Some of you don't need it today, but you might need it this week or next week. As I said at the beginning, storms don't play favorites. Help us, Lord, to feel your presence, to know your purpose and to trust your promises. We ask in Christ's name. Let's stand together. 
We thank you so much. Again, a good, good crowd. We're just, it just, you don't have that encourages us to to see so many folks and regular folks. Uh, thank you for coming. Hope you have a great day. And someone asked me, so I'll tell you all. No, I'm not wearing socks. Still. And listen, today is the 17th day that I've not had back pain. That's listen. That's that that has not happened in over a year but I'm still scared to death to bend over. That's why I'm not, I got these sketchers yesterday to match my black pants so I could just slide into them. So God bless y'all. Have a great, great day. See you later. Yeah, man. All right. Good to see you.